Jonathan Phillips is going to come. Let me say a couple things about Jonathan that I know. He, uh, his home is around York, Pennsylvania, so he's very close to here, his home district, the Mid-Atlantic. He has been uh, a Nazarene missionary for a long time. I think he said he's been in Romania since 2008, you said, or nine, and uh, serving in Romania for that time. He may not know that our church went on a trip, to a ladies' trip. Oh, that was before then. Uh, and uh, to Romania, and our district is planning a trip, although they've had to put it off for two years. I don't know if, uh, when that's going to work out to Romania, but we have two or three that I know have been talking about going on that trip. Um, currently, I understand that Jonathan is district superintendent of Romania, and uh, so he has uh, a lot of opportunity to travel throughout Romania, and I'm glad you've come here. I don't know those words on the screen, but I'm about to find out. Would you please welcome... Jonathan Phillips today. Good morning. Thank you. Good morning. See, we, we don't need that quite yet, uh, but it's great to be back uh, with you this morning. It, I was trying to figure out on the drive here how long it's been since I was here last, and I think it was uh, about five years ago that I was last here. Uh, that was the time that I was promoted from Saturday morning to Sunday morning. So now I, I've been promoted to Sunday morning with the pastor here. So, so thank you. <laughs> These uh, last few years, uh, especially these last two years, have been uh, quite different, uh, to say the least. And this morning, uh, what I have to share with you is probably a, a little different than normal. Uh, what, it might not be what you'd normally expect from a, a missionary speaker. It's part missionary presentation. It's part sermon. It's part personal testimony of how God has worked in the last couple years. But I want to start thinking way back to 1992, because that is the year um, that I started middle school and I got braces. Uh, not a great year for me. Uh, so we're going to skip the part about me and go to the part about 1992 is the year that the first Nazarenes went to Romania. Uh, in January of 1992, there was a group of seven students from Eastern Nazarene College who went to Romania with their professor, and they spent the month uh, volunteering in some of the orphanages uh, that had received international attention. And later uh, that year, the Church of the Nazarene sent the first Nazarene missionaries to Romania to begin the work of Nazarene Compassionate Ministries in the country and then to plant churches and to, to, uh, to grow the, the Church of the Nazarene there. Over the next few years, uh, Eastern Nazarene College started a study abroad program in Romania so that students could go to Romania and spend a, a semester there or a summer or a January term. And uh, several students, uh, several hundred students uh, went to Romania. And by the time that I had arrived by, uh, in 1999 as a college freshman, uh, many people had been to Romania before me. And I remember hearing a lot about the Romania program. The summer between my freshman year and my sophomore year, uh, several of my friends went to Romania. And I remember coming back on campus at the beginning of my sophomore year and hearing from people who had spent time in Romania that summer. And I began to think, hmm, well, maybe next summer I'll go to Romania for part of the summer. Well, one Tuesday at the beginning of November of my sophomore year, uh, while I was getting lunch in the cafeteria, I happened to see the professor who coordinated students going to Romania. And I, I just mentioned to him casually, um, I asked when he'd be in his office because I, I wanted to stop by and talk about going to Romania next summer. 
And he said, oh, but Jonathan, it's so much better to go for a semester instead of a summer because if you stay for a whole semester, you can learn more of the language and learn more of the culture and develop better friendships with Romanians. And you know, I'd heard that before, but I, I said, I, I, sounds great, but I'm a religion major. I said, next year I'll be taking Old Testament 1 in the fall and Old Testament 2 in the spring and Church History 1 and Church History 2, the, uh, senior year Theology 1, Theology 2. It just won't work as a religion major to, to go to Romania. Then he looked at me and uh, he said, well, have you thought about going next semester? No. I wasn't going to Romania next semester. I was taking New Testament one now and Greek one now. I had to take part two of those classes in the spring. Uh, I was teaching children's Sunday school class at, at church. Uh, I was in leading a small group on campus that I'd committed to doing for the whole, whole year. I wasn't going to Romania next semester. That probably would have been the end of it, except that that week happened to be a special week of revival services at ENC. And the guest speaker for the week was Bud Reedy, who was my pastor growing up in York. And that evening's message, that Tuesday evening and beginning of November, was probably the most impactful message I'd ever heard Pastor Bud preach. It was about giving our plans and our expectations to God. After the service, I went to the small prayer chapel on campus and spent a lot of time uh, praying, just giving God my plans, my expectations for that next semester. Now, I don't know how many students from ENC felt a clear call to go to Romania. Uh, it was a study abroad program, not so much a missions trip. But I know when I left that prayer chapel that night, I was sure that God wanted me to spend the next semester in Romania. What I didn't know at the time was that those next six months would just be the first chapter of uh, many steps uh, that would include going back to Romania for a year after I, I graduated from ENC and then going on to seminary and then returning to Romania in 2009 and serving in these last uh, 12 and a half years. And I certainly had no idea at that point that 21 years later I would still be in Romania. But let me take just a step back and put a few things in perspective. Uh, about two or three years before those events, uh, Pastor Bud had preached a, a year-long series of sermons at my home church on holiness. Uh, that was when I was in uh, 11th grade, 12th grade, something like that. I don't remember the exact contents of any particular sermon throughout that year, but I remember that week after week, as I heard about what it means to live a holy life, what it means to be sanctified, I knew that this was something that, that God was calling me to. Uh, this is also about the same time that, um, that I began to feel that God was calling me into ministry. And uh, it wasn't until after I'd been in Romania for some time that I felt that he was calling me to be a missionary. But throughout this, this whole period of time, I felt like God was calling me to be sanctified to surrender my life to him, to be available to what he called me to do. Now, not everyone is called to be a, a pastor or a missionary. Uh, thankfully, God calls Christians into a whole variety of different professions. But he calls all of us to be holy. 
for the last few minutes, you've been looking at this screen with three Romanian words on it. Um, maybe someone has dug out their phone and has looked up these words. Uh, maybe you're just waiting for me to tell you what they are. Well, it's time for your Romanian language lesson of the morning. Uh, the, the first word over here, uh, sfunt, the word with the, the A with a hat on it is sfunt. Uh, that's the Romanian word for holy. Uh, when it's translated as an adjective, it's, it's holy. But when it's translated into English as a noun, it would be holy one or saint. Uh, the plural of svunt is the middle word, sfints. Uh, we say that has a T with a tail on it. Uh, sfints is the plural of svunt. So, that, so if we say suntem sfints, that means we are holy, but it also means we are saints. And then the, the last word, sfincire, is uh, sanctification, to, to be sanctified, to be made holy, to become a saint, to be set apart for God. That's what holiness is. It's to be set apart for God, to be used by God, to be surrendered to God, to be used as he would like. In the Old Testament, the, the nation of Israel is set apart for God, called to be his holy nation. Now, there is nothing particularly important or even impressive about the, the Israelites on their own. Uh, they hadn't merited special status but, uh, before God by anything they had done. But God called their ancestor Abraham and promised that Abraham's descendants would be countless like the stars in the sky and the sand on the shore. He promised a land where Abraham's descendants would live and that they would be blessed so that they could be a blessing to all the families of the earth. If you know the story of Genesis, you know that these promises weren't just fulfilled overnight. They weren't even fulfilled during Abraham's lifetime. But they were repeated to Abraham's son Isaac and then again to Isaac's son Jacob. And then finally, uh, Jacob and his 12 sons and their families ended up in Egypt during the severe famine in the promised land. And they stayed in Egypt for generations until they were so numerous that the king of Egypt made them slaves and they cried out to God. And God sent Moses to them to lead the Israelites out of Egypt and back to the promised land. And you know the story of the ten plagues and the first Passover, the crossing of the Red Sea, coming to Mount Sinai, receiving the Ten Commandments, and then from there, little by little, progressing on their journey to the Promised Land. And then, just before they enter the Promised Land, in the book of Deuteronomy, we see that Moses gathers the people together and gives them kind of final instructions for what life in the Promised Land should be like. So this morning, uh, I'd like to read from uh, Deuteronomy chapter 26. And I know this isn't the, the normal passage a missionary speaker normally chooses. But as I read this passage, um, it's a little long. But as I, as I read it, I ask you to pay attention to the things that God has done for the Israelites. So remember, this is Moses speaking to the Israelites. He says, When you have entered the land that the Lord your God is giving to you as an inheritance— and you have taken possession of it, and you have settled in it. Take some of the first fruits of all that you produce from the soil of the, Lord, of the land that the Lord your God is giving you, and put them in a basket. Then 
Go to the place that the Lord your God will choose as a dwelling for his name, uh, so referring to the tabernacle, and say to the priest in office at the time, I declare today to the Lord your God that I have come to the land that the Lord swore to our ancestors, so to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, uh, to give to us. The priest shall take the basket from your hands and set it down in front of the altar of the Lord your God. Then you shall declare before the Lord your God. Uh, basically, they should recite their collective history. They should say, my, my father, referring to Jacob, their ancestor, my father was a wandering Aramean, and he went down into Egypt with a few people and lived there and became a great nation, powerful and numerous. But the Egyptians mistreated us and made us suffer, subjecting us to harsh labor. Then we cried out to the Lord, the God of our ancestors, and the Lord heard our voice and saw our misery, our toil and oppression. So the Lord brought us out of Egypt with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm, with great terror and with signs and wonders. He brought us to this place and gave us this land, a land flowing with milk and honey. And now I bring the first fruits of the soil that you, Lord, have given to me. And Moses finishes these instructions by saying, Place the basket before the Lord your God and bow down before him. Then you and the Levites and the foreigners residing among you shall rejoice in all the good things that the Lord your God has given to you and to your household. This is the word of the Lord. Now, have you ever had a time in your life when you realize that when you get there, you look back and you realize the only way that you've gotten to that point is by the grace of God? It's nothing that you've done. It's nothing that someone else has done for you. It's only God's grace that has got you there. Well, that's what this passage that we just read is about. It's about taking a, a rather mundane task, uh, collecting the, the first harvest of the crops of the season, and using it as an occasion to recognize God's leading throughout the entire journey to get to that point, and then turning that remembrance into an act of worship. This passage is, is filled with references to what God has done for the Israelites. How many of these did you pick up on? In verse 1, he's given them land. In verse 3, he's fulfilled his promise to their ancestors. In verse 7, he's heard their cries and saw their oppression. In verse 8, he brought them out of Egypt. In verse 9, he brought them to the promised land. In verse 11, he's given good things to them and to their households. But if you've ever read Exodus and Numbers, you may remember that as the Israelites were going through these events, they often didn't see God at work. Uh, the journey from Egypt to the Promised Land was full of challenges, full of complaining. You know, they complained when Moses went to Pharaoh because their workload got harder. They complained after they were freed from Egypt and were in the desert because they were hungry and thirsty. They complained then when they got tired of the food that God was miraculously providing for them every day. 
They rebelled against God when Moses was too long on the mountain and they worshipped a golden idol. In fact, time after time, they complained against Moses and rebelled against God until 40 years had passed and an entire generation had died in the wilderness. And yet here in this passage in Deuteronomy, the focus is on what God did for them. God brought them out of Egypt. Even when things seemed bleak and hopeless, like when Pharaoh's army was behind them and the Red Sea was in front of them and they had no place to go, God was at work. Even when they stood in the way of the good things that God wanted to give to them, God was still at work. So what I'd like for us to think about this morning is, are we attentive to the good things that God is doing, the way it's reflected here in Deuteronomy? Or are we stuck in our own Exodus and Numbers story, complaining about how hungry and thirsty we are in the desert and how great the food was back in Egypt? You know, a few months ago, beginning of January, uh, as I was scrolling through Facebook, as one does, I saw a lot of posts from a lot of people talking about how awful 2021 was and how glad they were that it was a new year. It reminded me of about a year earlier. I had, scrolling through Facebook, as one does, found a lot of posts from a lot of people talking about how awful 2020 was, and they were glad it was time for a new year. Now, I'm not going to lie. These last years have been pretty rough on all of us. However, we've been affected by uh, this pandemic, and it's affected different people in different ways. But it's taken a toll on all of us. Uh, this is actually the first time I've been uh, back in the U.S. for home assignments since 2019. Uh, I've had to cancel it the last uh, few years because of uh, the pandemic. And even as I was preparing for today, I kept thinking, what am I even going to share? Because this is what the, the last few years have looked like. This is what the last few years have looked like. There we go. Zoom meetings after Zoom meetings after Zoom meetings. And I thought I could just share all morning about Zoom meetings. Uh, I could share with you this morning you know, my Exodus and Numbers version of the last few years. Uh, talk about the challenges and how hard it's been. We could compare notes. I, uh, you could tell me what's, what's been the, the hardest part here. But instead, I want us to be challenged to take this, the message of this Deuteronomy passage to heart. Now, you know, the, the pandemic is certainly looking better, but it's not over yet. You know, there's places in the world where it's spiking yet again. But around here, it's definitely looking better. So I want to challenge you this morning to take the first fruits that we've been given of the end of the pandemic and place them before God as an act of worship and be reminded how he has led us through these last two years. We could take verses 3 and 11 of this passage we just read and we could say, the Lord is bringing us through the pandemic, we bow down and worship, and we rejoice in the good things that the Lord, our God, has given to us and to our households. 
as I think about personally how, um, how God's led me through these last few years, um, let me start with a conversation I had a, about a year ago. Uh, it was on Zoom, of course. Uh, it was with the, the field strategy coordinator who uh, oversees missionaries and ministries in Central Europe. Uh, we were talking about uh, an upcoming transition that was coming to Romania as one missionary family was transitioning out of Romania. And we were talking specifically about uh, who would take on their roles, uh, especially the role of district superintendent. As we talked about different possibilities, different options that we could um, uh, talk about, uh, that we could explore. Um, as one of many options, he, he asked if I'd be interested in, in serving as, as DS. And I said, no, not really. I said, I'm, I'm a theological education coordinator, literature coordinator. There's really a lot I still want to develop in those areas. Uh, that keeps me pretty busy. Um, uh, thanks for asking. And he said, you know, well, I didn't think you were interested, but I didn't want to just pass you over. And we continued, you know, in the, in the conversation discussing other possibilities. At the end of the meeting, uh, none of those opportunities, none of those possibilities really seemed like a great option. Like, they were doable, but they just didn't sound like the, the best option. And so we prayed, asking God to show us who would be the next district superintendent of Romania. As he was praying, I felt like God was just saying to me, Jonathan, be open to the possibility don't say no until you've prayed about it. I have to admit, that reminded me of a certain conversation in the college cafeteria about 21 years earlier. Jonathan, you want to go to Romania next semester? Nope. Jonathan, you want to be DS of Romania? Nope. So I started to pray about it. And the very next morning, when I woke up, I was actually kind of excited about the possibilities if I were to become district superintendent. I was excited about the possibilities of a job that the day before I didn't want and didn't even want to consider. My only explanation for that is that God put that desire in me. You know, that tends to be a side effect when we give ourselves to God, when we allow him to sanctify us. It's not so that we can say, look at what I've done, or look at what title I have, but look at what God has done in my life. So to make a long story short, at our district assembly this past November, I was officially appointed as the new district superintendent of Romania. And looking back, I can see how God has led me to this point. How he's even used this time of wilderness, so to speak, of these last two years of pandemic to prepare me for these new responsibilities. You see, if, if that would have been about two years earlier, there's no way I could have become district superintendent. I was tired. I was on the edge of, on the edge of, of burnout. It seemed like all of my time and effort went into preparing classes for our, our Romanian ministerial students to take. And, and whether I was teaching them or working with teachers that were coming, uh, there was a lot of preparations to do and then a lot of assignments to grade. Because somehow, if someone comes to teach a class in Romania, in the five days they're in Romania, they don't learn Romanian fluently enough to grade papers. So I was always uh, the one grading the papers. And so it was just one, one course after another we wanted to get our students through. And then the world shut down. 
literally, like, for two months in Romania. We couldn't leave our homes. Uh, flights were canceled. My home assignment was canceled. Courses moved online. Visiting teachers taught on Zoom. And as I think back to those days in, in 2020, in early 2021, the days when, at least in Romania, we had restrictions on gatherings, when church services were online, when we were advised to have close interaction with as few people as possible. Those could have been very lonely days. But God was using that time to help me to bring balance to my life, to learn healthy uh, practices. God sent me during that time a... uh, a two-month-old kitten to adopt. And he sent me to uh, another family of of missionaries who have practically adopted me as uncle to their little kids. And countless times as I've had a a cat curled up on my lap or as I've been walking home from spending time with these friends, I've thought, thank you, God, for bringing me through this pandemic. Thank you for refreshing me for teaching me new practices, healthy practices, and preparing me for these new responsibilities. And I could paraphrase Deuteronomy 26.11 to say, and I rejoice in all the good things that the Lord, my God, has given to me. And while this was happening in my own personal life, a lot of exciting things are happening in the Church of the Nazarene in Romania as well. As I mentioned, uh, during the pandemic, we were able to move and have our classes on Zoom. Uh, Some of these pictures are classes uh, that we had. Um, We were actually using video conferencing technology before the pandemic, and so the switch to Zoom was was pretty smooth. And our students actually had more time during the pandemic. They weren't doing as many other things, so we offered more classes uh, during the pandemic. And uh, that allowed us to have five students uh, who were able to finish the, the course of study for ordination in the Church of the Nazarene. I have a picture of them on the next slide. And this is a big deal for us in Romania because there are currently no uh, ordained Romanians serving in the Church of the Nazarene in Romania. And so we're going from zero to five. And we hope that they will all be ordained at our district assembly this coming November. We rejoice in the good things that the Lord, our God, has given to us. And, you know, as we come out of, you know, two years of pandemic, and as we switch from training students for ministry to ordaining and empowering them as ordained ministers, uh, the church is going to look a little different in Romania. One of the challenges that we, we face in Romania is that each of our three churches is really small, uh, too small to financially support a salary for their pastor. And so for a few years now, we have been looking at creative ways that we can finance local church ministries. And on the next slide, I have some pictures of some of those, uh, what some of that looks like. Uh, Many of you who've seen me before or uh, know some other connections to Romania have seen these dolls that the women in Sigmandro in the village uh, make. And so... Uh, the idea is to, to sell those and to have some income for uh, not only those who make them, but also to support the local church. 
Uh, also in the village, uh, some of the men work for um, our small business that we've started there. It's a, a wood shop, and they've been, they've been learning carpentry skills, and they basically have a custom furniture business now. And so the, the top uh, picture here is a picture of some of those men and, and uh, the cabinets they make uh, in one of the kitchens that they've done. And then in Sigishwara, the, the pastor of the church there has his own small wood shop. He doesn't make big things. But he makes smaller things, including these small nativity scenes. So all of these are like great opportunities, uh, but we haven't really had time to develop them much in these last few years. And so now that our, our pastors have finished uh, their studies, we're asking them to, to take some of that time and invest that into developing these so that they actually can support the local churches and they can support our pastors because we want our churches to be able to have the resources they need to minister not only in their communities but then to to reach out into neighboring communities as well. In Sigishwara, the, the church owns a two-bedroom apartment that no one has lived in for the last few years. Um, and so we've recently decided that we're going to prepare that and rent it out so that we have some income as a way to support the local church. Um, remember this apartment. I'm going to come back to it in a few minutes. But speaking of buildings, uh, not quite ready for this slide yet. Um, speaking of buildings, another resource that we have is a house in, uh, in Bucharest. Uh, it's been used for uh, many different purposes over the years as uh, offices, as classrooms, uh, as uh, a mission house where missionary families have lived. And for the last few years, uh, especially during the pandemic, it's just sat there unused. And, you know, as we pay the utility bills and repair things that are broken, you know, we just think, we have this great facility. What should we use it for? And so time and time again, we've prayed, God, show us, show us how we can use this building for your kingdom. Well, a few months ago, I was driving back from Bucharest to Sigishwara. It's about a five-hour drive, and the mission house was on my mind. And usually when I think about the mission house, I just think, ugh, what are we going to do with this? But this time, it was different. Uh, this time, some ideas from different conversations I had started to come together a little differently. I thought, oh, well, we might actually be able to do something with this. Not too long after that, I, I had a phone call from the, the pastor's wife uh, in Bucharest. Uh, Monica is her name. And uh, after we talked about what we need to talk about, I, I asked her, Monica, what are your plans? What are your ideas for the mission house? And over the next few moments, as she shared the, the dreams that she felt God had given to her for this building, I just listened in amazement as what she told me was exactly what I had been thinking on that drive back from Bucharest. Monica is the director of Open Door Foundation, which operates a shelter and provides legal services for survivors of human trafficking. Right now, the, the shelter is at... Uh, full capacity with several women and their small children. Open Door also provides counseling and uh, other services for women in Bucharest who don't live at the shelter. And so we have decided together with other church leaders to transform the mission house into a second facility for Open Door. It will house offices for counseling and there'll be a, pla a place where the police can conduct interviews with survivors. It'll also provide transition housing 
for women who don't need all the services provided at the shelter, but aren't quite ready to live on, fully on their own yet. And so now, next, next picture. Uh, these are some of the women uh, from the shelter uh, who are preparing the mission house to be used. Uh, there has been a great connection between Open Door and the local church in Bucharest from the beginning. Uh, as women have, have come in, uh, the church has surrounded them with, with love and welcomed them into the community of faith. Many of these, these women have, have come to, to faith and been baptized, have a picture from their last baptism service. They've had many uh, over the last few years. Uh, yeah, next slide is a baptism from uh, just a few months ago. It's great to see this aspect of ministry in Bucharest. Uh, we rejoice in the good things that the Lord our God has given to us. Well, I began this morning uh, talking about 1992 is the year that the first Nazarenes went to Romania. Well, it's also the year that the first Nazarenes went to Ukraine. On the next slide, I have a, a, a map of uh, Ukraine just to show that Romania borders Ukraine uh, in two different places, in the north and over uh, on the east. Over, for the past month now, the world's attention has been on U Ukraine as millions and millions of refugees have, have fled the war in Ukraine. Nazarenes in Poland and Hungary and Romania and Moldova have been meeting refugees at the border, um, providing food and supplies, offering housing. Uh, Nazarenes in Ukraine continue to minister to those who have remained in the country. The morning after uh, the attack began in Ukraine, uh, I already had a, a meeting planned with church leaders, and before I could even bring up the subject of Ukraine, uh, they were already talking about what we as a church in Romania could do to respond. And over the next few days and weeks, uh, as I was planning to come back already to the U.S., and uh, they have taken the lead on how we as a church are responding in Romania. Remember that apartment in Sigishwara that we want to get ready and rent out? Well, here, next, next slide, we have a picture of it. It's ready. Um, Actually, this is the, the mission house in Bucharest. I think I moved my slides around. Uh, this is the mission house in, in Bucharest, ready to, uh, to house refugees. And so they have been, since the very beginning, they have been housing refugees. Uh, and then on the next slide, we have the, the church in Bucharest. They've transformed their sanctuary into bedrooms for women and children. And... Uh, from the beginning, they, between these two facilities in Bucharest, they've been housing between 40 and 50 refugees a night. Uh, many of them stay uh, three, four, or five nights uh, as they are in transition from one place to another to more permanent housing. Uh, then, in, like I said, in, in Sigishwater, we have the apartment. I think that's on the next slide. There we go. And so we're looking at making the, the apartment in Sigishwara offer longer-term housing along with another facility that we, another house that we have in another city uh, where we can have uh, those Ukrainians that are coming and that are going to be staying in Romania who are going to be getting jobs and, and you know, settling in Romania. We want to offer long-term housing opportunities for them. This is one of those occasions when 
I'm just so proud to be part of the global family known as the Church of the Nazarene. It's when we as Nazarenes pull together to, to really make a significant impact. Our churches in Eastern Europe have jumped into action by offering what they have, uh, facilities and volunteers, um, taking food and supplies to, to meet with volunteers, uh, to meet with the, with the, the refugees on the border. And then the churches here in the U.S. and in other places of the world have given very generously to the Ukraine Refugee Relief uh, Fund from Nazarene Compassionate Ministries. Uh, thank you for your giving to that. Um, thank you for giving to the World Evangelism Fund because when you give to, to World Missions in the Church of the Nazarene, that goes to support many different things. But one of the things that it goes to support that we often overlook is the... Um, the global infrastructure that we have uh, from our global ministry center in Kansas to the regional offices around the world. Uh, we have systems in place uh, where we have, uh, we're sending funds to the field periodically. So we have systems in place so that when you give to a special project like Ukraine Refugee Relief, you know that all that money is going to get to where it needs to go and it's going to get there quickly and it's not going to be, you know, there's not going to be any questions about how that, how that all works. So thank you for giving uh, and being generous in how you give. Uh, if you want to uh, learn more about uh, what's happening in Ukraine and what's happening in Romania, I have been posting updates uh, fairly frequently these last few weeks as I hear updates. I'm posting that on my, on my Facebook page. Um, on the next slide, I do have my contact information. Uh, I have my prayer cards uh, out on, in the foyer. Uh, please feel free to take one. All of my contact information is on the back. Uh, if you want to learn more about how you can be involved, uh, my email address is on there as well. Uh, I'd love to hear, uh, hear from you. In closing this morning, I'd, I'd like to share with you something that I read a few weeks ago uh, at the beginning of Lent. As we uh, journey together toward the cross, uh, oftentimes we, we think of Lent as a time to give something up. But the, the writer of this devotional book that I'm, I'm reading says that the point of Lent is actually to come under the transforming grace of God in a way that changes our lives. He writes, Holiness means that we are set apart for God's holy purposes. And so the pressing question of Lent is, to what degree is my life truly set apart for God and for God's mission in the world. As I said earlier, God doesn't call all Christians to be pastors or missionaries. He calls some of us to do that, and we need to respond to that calling. But he calls all of us to be holy, to be set apart, and totally dedicated to him and to whatever ministry that he leads us to. Sometimes that means changing our plans for the next semester. Sometimes it means developing small business to support a local church or painting rooms that are going to be a place where refugees live. Sometimes it means supporting a ministry halfway around the world. I don't know what God is calling you to this morning, but I invite you to listen to his voice and to follow his leading. Amen. Thank you, Jonathan, for sharing your life 
and the holy word from Deuteronomy. Just uh, appreciated you saying God calls every Christian to be holy and how true that is to be set apart and used of him no matter where we're at. And sharing a little bit about Romania. And uh, would you go back to that slide of uh, Ukraine, if you would, for a, a moment or two this morning? Uh, I saw this slide, of course, when you sent me the presentation earlier, and I'm reading some of those names that have been in the news down the kind of the bottom right-hand corner, sort of Mary, Mary Opal. I don't know if I'm pronouncing it correctly, but thinking of what they're going through right now and watching the pictures of them and all the way up to the kind of the middle, uh, toward the top there, Kiev, um, and uh, some of the other names of these places that today there's a lot of suffering. And uh, we want as Nazarenes to to do whatever we can to help. And thank you for your giving. I also want to say thank you for your giving projects all over the world. Your generosity has been tremendous. And I just want to say thank you for that. You can always put money in a blue envelope for Ukraine and it will get to this fund that uh, Jonathan's talking about. I wanted to talk just for a moment. We're going to receive an offering for Jonathan. Um, Jonathan didn't say, he didn't tell you everything about about, but obviously Romania there's not a lot of funds there and uh, uh, those that serve there often go and and they raise their own funds and Jonathan's in that point he raises his whole funds for all of his work in uh, in uh, in in that area of the world Romania uh, the the Church of the Nazarene helps with some of the expenses but I asked him because I wanted to know, well, what do you need to do? And, and uh, he told me I had to raise $25,000 a year to support myself while in Romania, if I have that right. And I just want to say to our church family, if God puts it in your heart and you would like to help Jonathan toward that, uh, he's in the States for, what, two or three more weeks? I don't remember. It'll be going back. And I'd love for us to help Jonathan. Uh, as now many of our Nazarene missionaries are are. are they want to go, they want to serve, and so they raise their own funds. And that's why we have a lot of offerings here for Nazarene missionaries. It's so that we can help support them. And if God gives you the opportunity and enables you, and that's in your heart, I'd like for us to give a great offering for Jonathan. Toward that 25000 of course, he's been speaking in some other churches the last few weeks. And, boy, that's a chunk and a lot of responsibility. We want to do our best to support them. So we're going to do an offering. Would you stand? Again, there's offering plates in the back, the front, and the side. And just ask you as you go out today if God would give you that opportunity. You can write a check to our church. And, of course, we'll put that all into a check. And then that will go to the, uh, the treasurer of uh, uh, the Church of the Nazarene and then transfer to his deputation fund. Jonathan, thank you for coming so much, being with us today. Let's pray for Jonathan. And let's pray for the Ukraine as we continue to lift them up week in and week out. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for the opportunity today to hear just a little bit about uh, Romania. I realize that it was a May, a year, and uh, almost two years ago that we had a missionary family on, uh, on Zoom when uh, the pandemic started and they shared about Romania and the needs. And I remember talking about this, this house, this place where uh, those women who had been trafficked, it would be a refuge for them. And I remember us talking about that a May, a May, a year and a half ago, God, and I pray for this ministry. 
I thank you for the opportunity for the, the work of the Nazarenes there to be a place of refuge and help for them. And all these ministries, Lord, where some of our people have been many years ago uh, in uh, Romania, we pray for that pastor and pray for those people and pray for this country, God, that they would hear the gospel. I think of all the the, the Soviet bloc countries and the challenges of taking the gospel there, but yet every one of those countries and every one of those people are so precious to you. We pray for Romania. We pray uh, for Jonathan. And Lord God, our hearts are heavy. We continue to pray for Ukraine. God, thank you for the people that are there serving and helping. And God, help us all around the world to know what we can do to be a part of, of your hands and feet whether it's to give toward the refugees or whatever door you would open, whatever you want for us next semester, God, that we would have a deep desire to do for you, I pray. Thank you for the time to be together. Thank you for your love and your grace today. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much for being here. God bless. Hope you have a great day. Bye-bye.